You're listening to the Meaningful Riches Podcast, the lifestyle and personal development podcast created to help you discover and redefine the true meaning of wealth in your life. I'm your host, Hebron Gurma. Enjoy the show. What is up, you guys? We are back with another episode this week. I can't believe we're on week three already. This is kind of insane. Um, first of all, this entire year is flying by so fast. What the heck? I feel like I blinked and we're literally at the end of June already. I'm convinced this year and last year did not exist. Truly. They just weren't a thing. I've genuinely thought we were in 2022 at least five times this year. And I don't know. I kind of feel like my 20s are like escaping me. I'm scared. <laughs> uh, that was definitely a nervous laugh. Um, but yeah, anyway, I am super excited for this week's episode. I posted a poll on my story asking if you guys wanted to hear about finances or relationships this week. And the consensus was finances. And honestly, thank you. <laughs> because I feel like I can kind of have a sigh of relief right now. Um, because am I a reliable source for relationship advice? Uh, debatable. I mean, I can pretty much tell you what not to do, so I'm glad that you guys picked finances. Also, side note, if I sound like kind of nasally, it's because I've literally been sneezing nonstop for like the past three days. You guys, I'm allergic to exercising. Deadass. Like, it's a thing. I googled it. Every time I work out without fail, it's just nonstop sneezing. Like, the fact that I have to take Benadryl before I go work out, like, I'm the weakest link. <laughs> I'm truly the weakest link. It's so tragic. Like, come on. Out of everything, I have to be allergic to moving my body. Like, oh, my God. Anyway, that's why I sound kind of, like, weird. And if you hear sniffles, that's why. But, yeah, I'm just going to preface this by saying that I am by no means a financial advisor or, like, a financial expert. So, obviously, take everything that I say with a grain of salt. I'm just sharing with you guys what's worked for me, and granted, I do have some experience in the financial world just from previous jobs that I've had and lots and lots of research and lots and lots of books on finances, so I'm not just pulling this stuff out of nowhere. Um, these are things that I have genuinely implemented into my life and things that have helped me not only manage my money, but also increase it. Like I've said before, this podcast is about meaningful wealth. So it's not 100% about making money. It's more so about building the life that you want to live, however that may look to you. But, <laughs> major but, I don't know about you guys, but part of living a life that I'm happy and satisfied with includes money. I mean, I can't really be happy and stress-free if I'm broke, let's be honest. <laughs> I genuinely, like, I can't imagine myself just chilling, laying in bed, totally happy with the fact that I have zero dollars. It's just not a possibility for me. But on a more serious note, I think it falls on a lot of first-generation young adults, um, immigrants, and minorities to kind of bear the burden on their shoulders and be kind of like the catalyst for change in their family, especially when it comes to finances. As you can probably imagine, a lot of people who immigrated here from other countries don't necessarily come from super wealthy families or have generational wealth to fall back on. Honestly, forget other countries. Even some people whose lineage has been in America for hundreds and hundreds of years don't have generational wealth due to a lot of reasons. Like 
economic inequalities, racism, redlining, sexism, or I don't know, honestly, maybe just poor habits. There's just like so many different reasons. Many of us didn't have the luxury of having parents who were investors and had 401k accounts and IRAs or honestly really any type of financial plan that allowed them to build up a substantial amount of money that they could then pass down to their kids and their kids' kids. And this is why I think it's really, really important for us to be the start of that. And I cannot express how passionate I am about this topic and it has absolutely nothing to do with the love of money or some weird crazy selfish desire to be like insanely rich honestly it just stems from the fact that so many people struggle with money and it's really not that difficult it's not that difficult i remember a quote i'm not sure who said it but it says hard things should be hard and easy things should be easy let me tell you money is not hard it's 100 percent a matter of discipline and effort both things that you have control over and honestly in the day and age that we're living in now like there's genuinely no excuses because knowledge is free you can read books about it watch youtube videos go to seminars get a mentor like literally everything is at your fingertips so in my opinion if you're not financially literate it's because you chose not to be and let me tell you that is a really really costly decision and one that you will definitely regret So to kind of fix that, for this episode, we're going to talk about some things that you can start to do to kind of put yourself on the right track when it comes to finances. And honestly, these are probably things you've heard before in some way, shape, or form. Truthfully, it doesn't matter if you hear it from me, from a friend, or I don't know, like from freaking Elon Musk himself. Like at the end of the day, it's up to you to implement the things you hear and learn into your life through consistent action. And you can read a million books on finances, watch a bunch of YouTube videos on how to invest or whatever it is. But honestly, none of that matters if you're not actually doing anything. That being said, there's really four areas of your finances that I want to focus on today and hopefully give you some tips on things that I've learned and that have worked for me. So we'll be talking about making money, spending money, debt, and investing. So the first point is making money, and this is a really important one for obvious reasons. And I think a lot of people put limitations on the amount of money they can earn based on what their employer is willing to pay them, and that's what they see as their cap. So for example, if I apply for a job that says, okay, based on your experience and what we think you can bring to the table, we're willing to pay you, I don't know, $50,000 a year. Some people get capped at that amount. You have to realize that you do not get paid for your time. You get paid for your value. And if you think about it, it makes total sense. And you can honestly see it play out in the real world in many different ways. Um, For example, let's take a, a fast food worker. A fast food worker is paid a lot less than a top level executive at a company because they're easily replaceable. The skills that they have are easily taught, and if that person leaves, you can have someone trained and ready to take their spot in less than a week, maybe even less. But with a top-level executive, for example, they have years and years of knowledge and experience that they can use to add value to that company. So if that person decided to up and quit one day, 
that company would be at a major disadvantage because it's going to take a lot of time to find someone of an equal caliber to replace them. In my opinion, this is such a profound thing to realize, you guys, because time is limited. And if your pay is based on time, that means your pay is limited. There's only 24 hours in a day after all, right? On the other hand, value is limitless. And the other amazing thing about it is that you have 100% control over it. You can't control time, but you can control your value. What you want to do is tie your income directly with the value you provide. And the best way to increase value is through personal development. This actually reminds me of a quote by um, Jim Rohn. He's like an insanely amazing motivational speaker and honestly one of the most influential entrepreneurs like ever, period. A lot of the big motivational speakers of our day um, usually credit Jim Rohn with what they know. So he's definitely an OG for sure. I would definitely check out his stuff if you haven't already. Really, really amazing guy. Anyway, the quote says, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. If you work hard on your job, you can make a living. If you work hard on yourself, you can make a fortune. If you're willing to dedicate eight hours of your life every single day towards a job, you should be willing to dedicate one to two hours at least every day towards your development. And anyway, that might mean, I don't know, reading a book in an area that you want to grow in, whether that be finances, IT, real estate, there's literally a book on everything or signing up for an online course on specific areas you want more experience in. Udemy is actually a really, really great low-cost resource for this. I've used it so many times during my job search to gain skills on things like Excel, SQL, um, and then once you complete those courses, you can add those skills to your LinkedIn, your resume, and it's honestly crazy, you guys, how many more opportunities it opens up for you. I can vouch because I've been able to get my foot in the door for interviews that I definitely would not have qualified for had it not been for Udemy and it's all just from investing one to two hours a day on yourself. So the key takeaway here is connect your income to your value. Your value is something you have control over so always be increasing your value in some way shape or form. The next point is spending money. Probably one of the hardest aspects of like your financial life to control you guys, I used to have such a skewed mindset on spending. I used to feel so guilty on spending money, even if it was on things that I actually genuinely wanted, because in the back of my mind, I would always think, oh, you could be saving this, you can be investing this, you could be using this for something else, especially if it was a bigger purchase. But there's actually a book that actually kind of changed my whole mindset on this. It's called I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Remit Sethi. I definitely feel like I just butchered his name. But basically, this book is super unconventional and it kind of helped me move away from the mindset and guilt of feeling like I can't go buy myself, uh, I don't know, a Starbucks coffee or like splurge every now and then. My thing definitely wasn't coffee. My thing was tech, you guys. Like I would spend so much money on tech all the freaking time. The amount of times... <laughs> Sometimes I literally just drive to Best Buy to just look at stuff like, okay, I want to get this, and I want to get this, and I want to get this. <laughs> it's a problem for real. But um, I've thankfully been able to get myself to the point now where it's like there's no guilt surrounding spending money on that because I know that's something that makes me happy and I find satisfaction in. Um, so it's okay for me to spend money on that. The key thing that really changed my mind on spending was that there's a difference between being cheap 
and being conscious. The goal for all of us should be to be conscious spenders, not cheap, because cheap people are annoying as hell. <laughs> Let's be honest. They're the type of people that nickel and dime you but are never willing to give and most of the time they never want to do anything because everything is about money for them and not about experiences. And you don't want your life to be like that, you guys. Money is meant to be spent. It's not meant for you to hoard it away until you die. Where's the fun in that, honestly? The key takeaway here is creating a budget for yourself and dedicating a portion of your income towards guilt-free spending. I usually don't include money here that I would typically save for a larger purchase like a vacation or something like that. This is more so for smaller purchases like eating out, grabbing drinks with friends, buying clothes, shoes, tech, really anything that you enjoy buying and using. Um, I think the downfall for most people is just a lack of awareness when it comes to spending, which leads to overspending, which then leads to guilt. And the solution to this is just planning ahead. Personally, I dedicate about 20% of my income to this category, and I usually don't end up spending that much. But if I do, there's no guilt because it's planned. And if I don't, I just transfer whatever I didn't spend to savings or investing. I cannot stress this enough, you guys. You have to live below your means. There's absolutely no way around it. You have to spend less than what you make. And a lot of the times, this is where credit cards can really, really F some people up financially for real. Like, stop caring so much about your appearance and how others perceive you and allowing that to dictate how you spend your money. Because at the end of the day, the only person that's going to have to live with those decisions and consequences and bills is you. One thing you'll never catch me doing is spending money I don't have just to save face. Don't go in debt for the opinions of other people. It is never, ever worth it. So kind of mixed in with the category of spending is expenses as well. Um, your expenses really shouldn't fluctuate much from month to month because these are things that typically stay pretty consistent. They are things like rent, internet, electricity, things like that. Me personally, I love anything that makes tracking money easier and requires less of my energy and time. And so far... The best app I've found is Truebill. You guys, I cannot recommend this app enough. It's literally amazing. It's a lifesaver and so easy to use. This is not an ad, I promise. <laughs> I'm not I'm not up at that level yet. Um, but I've tried lots of different systems and other tracking methods from, from Excel to Mint. And so far, Truebill is the best one, hands down. It's easy to use. Um, it's right on your phone, too, so you can check it as often as you want. So basically, this app allows you to track all of your income, bills, subscriptions, spending, what else, investing, debt, and your credit score all in one place. And all you have to do is link your accounts with the app and it automatically categorizes everything for you. So for example, let's say I go to the grocery store today and spend like 20 bucks. Truebill updates that for me in real time categorizes that spending for me and then includes it in a report at the end of the month that tells me how much I spent and if I was over or under budget for that month. It not only includes the full month report but individual reports too for each category so you can automatically see how much you spent on gas for the month or groceries, shopping, parking, literally every category. This is really really important because it makes it plain and simple to see which areas you're overspending 
so you can really start taking control of your expenses. The number one pitfall when it comes to overspending is a lack of tracking your money and not knowing where it's going. Your money comes in and it goes out and you have no idea where, how, or what you're spending it on. And let me tell you, when you see those spending numbers on that app, you'll be looking at your phone like there's no way, like this has to be a glitch. I didn't even make this much money to spend this much money. But listen, some of us literally need the truth to smack us in the face to wake up and this app will definitely do that for you. So I highly recommend trying it out. It's honestly amazing. It's been a lifesaver for me for sure. The next point we're going to talk about is debt. Honestly, if there was one thing that we could all agree on, it's that debt is terrible. Um, Honestly, that might be debatable too because some people argue that debt is good. But I've heard and read so many different opinions on debt, you guys. Some people say it's literally the devil and you should not have any debt at all. Um, Some people say some debt can be good depending on what the asset is and it can be really confusing. But here's my opinion. There are certain debts worth taking because of the potential for them to increase your wealth or build your income over time. So these are things like a mortgage, a business loan. Mm, Student loans can be debatable depending on the school and the type of degree you got, but I guess that could go in that category too. The debt you want to avoid carrying are literally any type of consumer debt. You do not want to carry a credit card balance month to month because those interest rates will kill you, literally. I am not against credit cards at all. I have them. I use them. The points are amazing. I've gotten free flights out of it. It's great if you're smart about it. Otherwise, it can literally be the downfall of your financial success, period. One of the worst things you can do is tie up your assets, in this case your money, your cash, in debt and monthly payments because that is money you could be using towards investments that would actually grow your income. Here's a simple question. Do you even know how much debt you're in? To the penny. If you don't, this is definitely where you want to start because you cannot solve a problem that you don't know exists and you can't complain about debt or money without a plan. I used to listen to Tony Robbins all the time and one of the things he used to always say was people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10. If you're currently in a lot of debt, create a plan for yourself to get out of that debt as soon as possible. There's tons of different methods out there like the snowball method, avalanche method. Um, I, I don't have time to go into too much detail about it during this episode, but definitely do some research on those. And more importantly, get yourself on a plan to be out of debt, specifically consumer debt as soon as possible. I will say though, one of the most impactful things you can do to prevent yourself from going into debt or back into debt is to build an emergency fund. That way you won't be tempted or forced to use credit cards above your means to cover expenses that really should have been planned for to begin with. There's certain things that we consider as financial emergencies that really aren't emergencies. By definition, an emergency is something that's unplanned for. You weren't expecting it. It's new. It's a strain. Your tire popping should not be an emergency. Your car engine going out is not an emergency. Things like that should be expected if you're driving a car, for example, because it's a car. Cars break down. So you should have money set aside that says, hey, if this and this happens, this is where I'm going to pull from to cover myself so that I don't continue to put myself in more and more debt trying to cover these emergencies that aren't really emergencies. The last point is investing. 
over the past four years, I've really started taking investing more seriously. And I literally can't even count how many different methods and plans that I've tried. But honestly, what I've learned from all of that was that automation is your best friend, you guys. I used to check my accounts literally every single day, sometimes multiple times a day, like as if something was changing in there, right? (laughs) But through trial and error and time, honestly, I've been able to now set myself up to the point where I check my accounts maybe twice a month. Everything I have is automated. I don't even have to think about it. Bills, savings, investments, all automated. And that's when you start seeing real results is when you allow your money to do the work for you, not the other way around. So when it comes to investing, obviously age plays a huge factor because the more time you have, the better. But I'm assuming that most people listening to this are in or around my age group. So that's kind of the avenue that I'm approaching this from. Stocks are your friend when you're in your 20s, 30s, even late 40s because you have so much time to build back up in the event that everything kind of tanks. Um, this is kind of where diversification comes in. And most people will tell you you should have stocks and bonds in your investment to, to help mitigate risk. In my opinion, I'm so young right now at 24, I personally don't see the benefit of buying bonds. So my investment strategy is 100% all stock funds. And I'm letting the fact that I'm young and have time mitigate any risk that that may bring. Obviously, if you're in your late 30s or 40s, this is definitely not a strategy you want to follow. So if you're like me and you're investing using only stocks or want to invest using only stocks, the key to diversification is owning different categories of stocks in different industries. If your portfolio is only Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon, basically all the big tech giants, you're literally setting yourself up for failure. I don't know that there's like a specific magic number of stocks to own to be fully diversified, but what's helped me is thinking of investing as you bidding on what companies you think will outperform others. So would you rather bid on two to five companies or 50 to 100 companies? Obviously, bidding on more makes sense because it increases your odds of being on the upside. Generally speaking, though, most books that I've read or things that I've seen online suggest owning about 20 to 30 stocks in different sectors to be fully diversified. This is obviously super debatable, but from my experience and the things I've done, I've seen the best returns by owning three to five stocks in major sectors like energy, tech, health, real estate, um, utilities. So in total, that would bring me up to like anywhere from 15 to 20 stocks. And honestly, it all depends on what your investment goals are. For me, my goal is to build passive income through dividend payments, which is obviously a pretty long-term goal. But because of that, I invest in way more stocks and have less volatility than someone whose goal might be to earn like $100,000 in gains within like five years. Their investment strategy may be a lot more stocks in two to three sectors. So it really all depends on what your goals are. The main key here is to invest regularly and on a consistent basis. This is where automation will really help you. The less you have to think about putting money aside for investing, you guys, the better. You guys, this mic is insane. Like, can you hear the rain right now? I'm in my room and it's raining. Okay, a little ASMR moment here. Listen to this. You're welcome. (laughs) 
if you're like me and you love rain and like the sound of rain that would have been really soothing for you um but yeah i'm just gonna talk over this because who has time to wait for this rain to stop but anyway overall the key to financial freedom and and your success is a matter of your effort and consistency you have to take control of your money you guys not the other way around goals is a really important aspect of this you have to set life goals for yourself and not only set goals but create a plan that you can actually stick to that will help you reach those goals and the rest will honestly take care of itself the key here is to not waste time success comes from trial and error trust me (laughs) if anyone can vouch for that it's me i've lost so much money in the process of learning how to do it the right way But like I said earlier, you can do as much research as you want, but you will never see the gains if you don't actually take action. And truthfully, this applies to every aspect of your life, not just finances. So I hope this episode hopefully gave you guys a decent overview and tips on things you can start doing today that will improve your finances and hopefully get you on the path that you want to be on. As always, thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you guys next week. Peace. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode and be sure to come follow me on all social media platforms at the username Meaningful Riches Podcast and check back here once a week as I put out new episodes. There's so much around us to be thankful for and find true value and wealth in. I hope that these conversations will empower you to take bold action and add personal value so you can attain and live a life filled with meaningful riches. I'll see you guys next week.